Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering. We thank you for your love. Amen. And your grace. Your shalom. And we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the message by Rabbi David. In the name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 Michael also, because I got no message here. Michael. That's okay. I can do my best to imitate Rabbi David. <laughs> and get everybody seated and started. So we're going to start with scripture like we usually do because it's Bible study. And Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. And I've asked Diane to read for us, so as soon as you can... Others are turned to there, it looks like. We'll begin. I've got Holy Scriptures, Tree of Life version. And I have a subtitle here. It says, Put on the Armor of God. So, if you give me a thumbs up, then I know you're there, and I'll start reading if you want to read along with me. Oh, should I start? Go ahead. Okay. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist when the times are evil, and after you have done everything to stand firm, stand firm then. Buckle the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom. Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Yay! And take the helmet of salvation and the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Ruach on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert that the perseverance and supplication, with perseverance, excuse me, and supplication for all the Kedashim. And pray for me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the good news, for which I am am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I speak boldly, the way I should. Thank you. So I kind of included verse 20. I don't know those that have notes. They may want to add that on because it kind of fits into the whole um, thing we're going to be talking about. So a quick review. If you haven't been with us before, we're studying spiritual warfare. And I kind of feel like this is um, a pretty tough sledding at times because it's important to review what we know. Because it, it doesn't make sense for us to just keep throwing out the information if it, some of it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. And we want people to get a hold of some of these concepts. Um, Rabbi Haim was teaching in the first lesson that one of the basic ideas is knowing who God is. Knowing His sovereignty and knowing that He has a plan and He's working it. And we talked about two specific scriptures just... Anybody know those scriptures? Not just the address, because that's on your notes, but the scripture itself. Because Rabbi Haim encouraged us to know these scriptures and what? Live by them. Live by them, but memorize them. 
Memorize them so that you know them and are able to think about them. Does anybody know these scriptures? Not by, I can't recite them. Um. By, by memory. <laughs> How about Rabbi David? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, looks, everybody looks at Rabbi David. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Sorry. The whole Bible I'm just being a snot. Sorry. John 4 is a woman at the well. Right? Yes, that was one of them. John 4, 34. No, look at that place in 34. John 4, 34? John 4, 34. I'm going to go to John 4, 34 because I don't know it. John 14, 30 was the other one. She was prayer. No. So these two passages, John fourteen thirty, having done everything, <clears throat> Yeshua was finished. He said, "I depart because the Prince of this world has no longer any hold on me." That was one of them. And then John four thirty four is, "My food is to do the will of the Father and to complete it." And those were the two that Rabbi Haim said, these are two we really want to know, because why? Does anybody remember why? The, the idea that, that the evil one will have no hold on us, or will not have us. Evil one will not have us, that we can have victory, that we can be um, not held by him in any way at all. And that... Not only that, but that we need to know that at the end of the day, when things are crazy, when things seem tough, the number one assignment is to do God's will and to know that we're here to complete His will at the end of the day. That we have a firm foundation of how to serve the Lord and what that looks like. And that's kind of a a basic approach of what He did. Now, I, I kind of put all these, know these different things as part of the... The last four lessons just to review. The second lesson had to do with knowing our enemy. And frankly, one of the enemies can be us sometimes. We can be our own worst enemy at times. And part of that is knowing our sin as well. And we talked about several several sins. Does anybody remember any of the sins we talked about? Well... We talked about unforgiveness. We talked about sexual immorality. We talked about anger. We talked about uh, itching ears. We talked about a lot of different areas. And each of these uh, teachings is up on the web so that you can go back and listen to them along with the notes. In lesson three, we talked about knowing that there was going to be answers coming and that we're learning to persevere, the ability having the ability from the Lord to persevere. The Lord's the one who gives us the strength. The Lord helps us to bear up under those tough circumstances so that we can persevere. And then last week, we talked about an important one. Knowing who else is in the army. Who else is in our mishpacha. Who can we call on for help when we're in a tough situation? Can we call on maybe Pauline or Diane because these ladies have the ability to help us when we're struggling or when we need that extra measure? As I know folks are doing that. And I know Katrina's reached out to me a few times. There are people here. Uh, Yvonne's a great person you can reach out to as well. So tonight we're going to be looking at the armor. 
and it's basically knowing the tools of the trade. Each and every person, when they go into boot camp, it's a place where they start learning how to do different things that prepare them for the war ahead. The war ahead that's coming. So as we um, begin this passage that Diane read to us, does, is anybody familiar with the context? Because the context here is very interesting. Just Ephesians 6 as a whole, I know it talks about the spiritual armor, but it, it starts by talking about a couple other things. Anybody know what those things are? Children. Children and what? Obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Does it say anything to the parents? Notice yeah, it says, fathers. Do fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke them to anger. Right. Who else does it talk to besides children and parents? Slaves. Slaves and masters, right? Yes. And then we have this, this passage that's talking to believers about God to us. What is the common denominator in all these things? Anybody have any kind of idea? Obey. Obey. What is obedience about, though? Who do we obey? The Word of God. Yes. And what is the Word of God to us? Why should we obey it? In other words. It's the living God. It's the living God. And who is our living God to us? Who should He be? Who should be? He should be the final what? He's the final authority. So Paul begins this chapter by talking about other human authorities. Our boss, maybe. Someone we don't like. You know? Someone we got to work for. Or maybe it's our mom or dad. Someone we don't like to hear correction from. And he begins by talking about these things. And it's important to look at that in the context because when Yeshua begins, or when Paul begins to talk about our need for God in this passage, he he's, he's, has the same idea in mind. That just as we have a relationship with our earthly fathers that we, we heard about on Shabbat, just as we have relationships with our fellow workers and our bosses, it's important that we understand that anything that's going to happen well in this warfare is going to be how we connect with the Lord. How we're connected with Him. We have to be in union with the Lord. We have to know His strength and be connected to that strength. And most importantly, we have to understand what He's provided for us. What He's provided for us. And this is where Paul starts this passage because these are the important things that God is trying to get a hold of us for. Is is it, it doesn't make any sense in a sense, to teach you about spiritual warfare if you don't obey your boss. Or if you don't obey your mom and dad. What, what's the point of, of even beginning to teach you and say, you know, how the spiritual armor is all going to work for you if you already have those kinds of issues and you can't obey the Lord in that area? And it's important that we understand how authority works. It's for our benefit. It's something that protects us and helps us to be able to live. And we have to be willing to give in to that authority and walk in that authority. And so it's important. I think it's important to look at the context 
of what is being said here. A lot of times people just want to jump to the armor and say, let's look at that and let's see what that's all about. And it's, it's important to do that, but it's also important to understand these things are just as important that we understand human authorities. We understand how human... How are we going to fight spiritual authorities if we're unwilling to, to, to listen and obey the human authorities? So as we're speaking about God and learning to know His strength and knowing to be in union with Him and how God's going to provide everything we need to know in this passage. okay? And I'm by no means have I never served in a war. I've never served in the military or anything like that. And it's, it's really important to look at this and say, at times, because, you know, this is, this is a real war. Isn't it not? Is it not a real war? Well, it's yes and no. Because it is a real war on some levels, and it's not a real war on other levels. And it's important that we kind of look at some of that. War is something that takes time and commitment. How long did World War II last, for instance? Four years five. Four, at least our involvement in it, right? right. Yeah. The United States' involvement was about four or five, but other countries were involved much longer, much, much longer. Yeah. And they, they put time and commitment into winning that war. And that's the same attitude we have to have when it comes to winning the war. And there's going to be wins... And there's going to be losses when you when you get into into spiritual warfare the same way. There's going to be days you feel like you got beaten up by the enemy. You got beaten up and you failed, and you didn't do maybe what you should have done, or you thought I should have done this. You know, it's the Monday morning quarterbacking. Everyone can look at something after the fact and see what they could have done better, right? And part part of the thing about war, wars also is that they can be won or lost through fear. A lot of times what we're afraid of can be half the battle. And the mind games that kind of come, the psychological part of warfare, what we sometimes hear or think about, those kind of things can really have an effect on how we fight things out, how we move forth. Now in the no side... We're not. There are real people that have gone to war. They've really experienced some things, and I can't even imagine that we can compare spiritual warfare totally to that because they have real scars. The PTSD is real for them, and they. And I applaud them. I applaud them. Whether we agree on our nation's politics or not, there are people that serve. The people that have done the duty that they've needed to do. That's why we have a Veterans Day. That's why we look at them and we respect them for who they are because they made a great sacrifice to do that kind of thing. And unfortunately, I think, too, we're fighting an unseen opponent. We don't go around seeing Satan every all the time, do we? We can say, oh, that's him right there with the blue jeans on, maybe. <laughs> or the guy over there. And I mean, it's important because it's not, it's not always clear we're in the midst of warfare at times. Sometimes we're, we're, we're struggling and hurting, and we don't always see the warfare as, as we see. And what it says here, especially in verse 12, or I think it's verse 13, verse 12, I believe it is, 
is we never ever fight real human beings. We're never at war with people. We never fight with flesh and blood. And that's that's kind of a little bit counterintuitive to warfare. That we don't ever go up against someone else that's that's just like us. That's part of learning a lot about spiritual warfare is is learning that concept that each and every person I encounter, we have a purpose in encountering them, but we don't want to always look at them as being the thing. And I like in verse 13, let's focus again on verse 13. If someone would read that for us. Chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I think that's... That was 13. Okay. So part of the picture here in fighting the flesh and blood and being able to overcome is understanding part, part of in your version where it says to stand is a different word that I wanted to focus in on, and that's the word resist. Mm. Resist. Because resistance is a big part of the warfare. How we oppose things or how we resist them getting their way in on us is an important part of it. And I think it's important to understand that we're resisting something that we can't see. We have to know how to resist it. We have to be able to give in to that resistance. And there's other passages that illustrate this. Um, let's look at James 4, 7. Someone else turn to 1 Peter 5 and verse 9. This whole idea of how we resist. Yeah, 1 Peter. Yeah, Peter. Read it for us. Go ahead. Stand up against him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being are being laid upon your brothers and sisters throughout the world. Okay, the word to stand up against someone is what's the idea of that resistance, and part of that is that need to stand against the opponent, oppose them, and resist them, and be able to come away effectively against them effectively against them. So sometimes this word resist is translated as stand or withstand if you have the King Jimmy. Stand or withstand. James uh, 4, 7. Who has that one? We shall stumble over... Is it James 4? James 4 7. I was searching some words. I went to Leviticus. Sorry, that. That's not resisting the devil, he'll flee from you. James 4 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's, that's an important point because in our resistance, what happens? God seems to. He does, he does something that he knows he's not going to get in. And so he flees. He flees. It's an important principle is that as we make our stand, as we make our determination, 
He goes away from us. He goes away from us. Amen. And it's important because the word stand also, that, that you might have, and there's two different words here in the Greek. And one of the, the words talking about in stand is this idea of, of um, and I'm jumping ahead in the notes, is that we have to be willing to have that stand or being able to hold up or be established. Or be established. And that's under the second Roman numeral, I believe. And so, this is a different standing. This is a resisting or opposing someone in which we are, are being able to have a battle here. And sometimes it's wrestling. And part of the point of this, of bringing this resistance idea up, is sometimes in our encounters, it's not going to be formulaic. It's not going to be mechanical where I can say, you just do this and this has to happen. Or you just do that and that has to happen. There has to be a self-discipline involved of knowing the Lord and being able to hear Him, discerning specifically what is the assignment in this particular situation where we're having warfare. Because some assignments are different and some require a different approach. So we can't have a mechanical or formulaic approach to how we we go into that. Now as we get into the armor, it's important that we stand, as I was saying. It's a point of positional strength. That you take an area, you're established, you're able to hold that place. And and a lot of times it's best to understand um, the idea of standing in the context of what it means to fall apart. Sometimes in a sense of of learning what falling is about. They know that it's popular in the Batman movie, why do we fall? Why do we fall? And the answer was so that we can get back up so that we can get back up. But many times it's in, in the idea of learning what we did wrong, learning what didn't work, learning what was a failure. And sometimes those are the, the real life experiences in life is, is not how, we, how we've been standing up, but it's a lot of times out of our failures that God does some of His best work and teaches us some of His best lessons. Michael, I have a comment. Go ahead. I experienced something on the other day. Well, actually, it was just yesterday. And I was listening to praise music driving, and I stopped doing my errand at the bank, actually, well, at the store. And I was raising my hands in praise, and then, you know, and then I joined my hands to pray. And this woman came out of Walgreens and uh, to put something in her back seat, and she saw that I had mannerisms of prayer, you know, and she got so annoyed, she sort of waved at me, flipped at me to say, that's not, you know, I knew what she meant. That, you know, she saw me pray, you know, I was in pray mode, prayer mode. So it did upset me. So then I said, now what do I do? I'm upset. So then I stepped out of the car and I walked around. She had already left. And I opened the book of John, where Jesus was talking about how he wasn't alone. He knew his father was with him. You know, and so I had to rebuild myself, you know, because you know she sort of invaded my, you know, she invaded my, you know, my space, and I invaded hers because, you know, she was dealing with secular duties, you know. Right, and so I mean, it's important that so from what you're saying, I understand how 
Um, this particular situation might have been difficult and upsetting for you, but it was something that obviously was not upsetting her, but maybe upsetting what was spiritually dark around her. Well, that's what and, and, and that's kind of why we have to take that approach is that we never look to argue or get into a fight with someone else, but we look to, in a sense, um, always look at what's the purpose in this relationship, why this person's approaching me, why this person's coming up to me. And Paul, Paul makes reference to that later in the passage. So I wanted to look at 1 Corinthians because it has a great um, passage in talking about falling in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 11 through 13. First Corinthians 10 is the passage where Paul begins to quote to them uh, examples from the Tanakh. And at the end of this, he makes an interesting statement. And we, we, we looked at 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 13 briefly last week. But I want to look at the, the context a little bit around it. Because it's interesting what it talks about in terms of being able to fall. Does someone have that and willing to read? 10 what? 10 verses 11 through 13. I have it. Okay. Okay. And now these things happen to them as an example, and it was written down as a warning to us on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks that he stands watch out that he doesn't fall. Keep going? Yes. No temptation has taken hold of you except what is common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. So so what what do you think is being talked about here in this passage? Why does, why does Paul make this statement to the Corinthian believers? Just tell them, telling them to guard themselves up, just like, you know, a military man will guard himself up ready for to run with the battle himself with his sword and shield. Well, and, and that's definitely at a point here, but I think he's also trying to warn them against pride. Because all of us fall down at some point in life, right? Is anybody here falling down? No. I mean, I slipped on the ice last year and checked up my elbow pretty good, but I mean, it, it, it managed afterwards, but I'm just saying... We all end up falling, and we all have the ability to fall. And so it's important that we understand that. That if we are in a position of strength, it's when we're standing up and we have our wits about us. That we're ready, that we're able to be on guard for what's going to happen. I also think, though, Michael, what this says to me is that other people have faced these same things. That's a big part of what he's saying. They landed on their feet. And because you have... And and God God was with them, they landed on their feet. And it's kind of like him saying, reassuring and saying, so expect the same thing for yourself. That's that's a big part of it. That in our resistance, God provides an escape. God provides a, a, a place in the moment of our test where we could have fallen, but we were like anyone else, we come through it. We come through it in the end. And doesn't that come into play when we studied last week? Someone beside us. 
Yes, it's very important, and it's very important to know the other people here that are part of our support system. And it's important if we don't know them that we learn to get to know them, and we know who we can turn to and feel like we can we can tell this person why we're struggling. Now back to verse thirteen, Paul talks about in the day of evil being able to stand. And that's kind of over and over again, this idea of being able to stand. And part of, what is the day of evil? What do you think the day of evil is? It's all the time, isn't it? Evil is all around us. I think it's when you come into a situation yourself. Okay. uh, Where you're tempted, maybe. You know, and, and that day of evil could come for anybody. You just don't know. It's, it's definitely a time of great trial. It's definitely a time where you're not sure. Just like we talked about in the lesson three, Paul even was so, um, or last week we talked about it, Paul was so upset of what was going on that he, he thought he wasn't going to make it out of this situation. That he despaired even for his own life. And there's a couple passages from Jeremiah that definitely they're in your notes. You can go look at them later. But I think it's it's definitely an interesting idea of what it means the day of evil. Having and it, it might be different for you. It might be different for me. But I think it is. I think that's a great answer. That it's the type of situation where it's going to be different for all of us. And maybe some of us have experienced this type of fruit where we fell flat on our face. Where because we didn't know we were in sin or because we didn't know what was going on in our life and didn't handle things the right way, we experienced a level of falling, of, of falling down in the day of evil. But you know what? The, the biggest testimony is that no matter what anybody in this room has been through, doesn't matter what it was, you're still here. That's right. And, and I mean, and that's testimony right there. It is. It is definitely testimony, and it's an important part of the testimony because we all are, go through tough stuff, but we are here, and we want to be able to persevere and get here, but we also want to persevere and be doing it with joy. Mm-hmm. We want to be doing it with joy, and we, we want to be doing it knowing God's victory, knowing, in a sense, going through those tough times but being able to say, I was able to come through it, I was able to persevere, I was able to, to feel like I was still standing after it came. Right, and that's where Thanksgiving comes in, too. It's exactly. It's very much where Thanksgiving comes in. That's yeah. a great um, point all, to make. It's all ten. And all things give thanks. You know, I mean, it's kind right. of like you could, I mean... I remember when I was really, really sick and I was just laying in bed and I just thought, well, I get it could be a lot worse. I'm getting better. I, you know, I mean, whatever. But, but you have to, like, count the smallest blessings, I think, when you're in the worst shape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still breathing. I can walk. I can move. I can, I can still care. I can still whatever. You know, you can find in your situation... That's going to keep you going is what you have to focus on when things get really hard, I think. And, and the continuation of building your relationship with the Lord. 
you know, and then you're not going through it alone. You know, that he's with you. So there are six specific pieces of armor that I wanted to look at. This is part one of the few passages in Scripture where it talks about clothing or talks about what we're wearing. Um, I think about also the, the section in Exodus where it talks about what the priest wore. And I think there are some good applications or um, similarities that we can look at in both sides of those things. But the, tonight I wanted to look at specifically the, the, the armor that's being talked about here. And it starts with the belt of truth. Having your loins skirt about with the belt of truth. And what, why is truth so important? Or why is it such a foundation that we need to have it and know it? Especially in spiritual warfare. Because if you don't have the truth, if you have like a real, um, a real, uh, I guess what, foggy image or whatever, I, how are you going to know what to pray for? Well, who's are, who's? Know, if you're not being honest, you won't be able to see what what you need to do in any given situation. Who is our opponent? The master of lies. The master of lies. The master of lies. And that's one of the most important reasons why we need the truth. Why we need the truth. And that's why I have two scriptures here. They're both in John. John 8, 31 and 32. And John 17, verses 15 and 17. These talk about our relation to the truth and why we need the truth. Who's got John 8.31? So Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, If you obey what what I say, then you are really my Talmudim. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this statement is really important because it's conditional. It's a conditional statement. We have an if and we have a then. Very important. What's the if part? If we stay in His Word and know, and know the promises. That's right. And so it's a, something we have to do. Now a lot of people know the second part, that then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, but they don't know the first part which is, if you continue, if you obey, if you stay in my word, all these different things he's pointing to. And these are what his true disciples do. Or as Yvonne said, the Talmudim. That's what true disciples will do. They follow and they learn from what the the Lord says. That's how you deeply get connected to the truth. It's not something that just happens and you read it and you say, that's truth. Many times it can happen that way, but it's more deeply connected. It's kind of the idea of like a root, how a tree takes root in the ground. Truth has to be a root in your life. It has to go deep within you, and it has to be strongly established and have a strong hold on you so that you know it. John 17, verses 15 to 17. 
This is the high priestly prayer. Yeshua prayed for everyone to know Him and to know His, His Father. What does it say about truth here? I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Keep going. Verse Two more verses. Set, set 16 them, and 17. Set them apart for holiness by means of the truth. Your word is truth. So we know what holiness is by the truth. That's an important aspect. How do we know what's holy? Doesn't the Torah tell us? Yeah. Yes. By knowing, by knowing the Word, yeah. And this passage also talks to the idea of escapism. During the midst of war, do you ever feel like bailing out, escaping? But Yeshua prays the exact opposite. Did you notice that? Nobody gets out of the world. He doesn't even want us to leave the world. Why does he not want us to leave the world? Other people save. That's right. He's got a purpose and a plan for us. He's got a big purpose and a plan for us, and that's why he wants us to know the truth so that we can live it and we can bring others to the truth. And that goes into the next piece of armor, the feet being shod with God's gospel. Why do our feet why do our feet need to be shod with his gospel? Otherwise we'll keep stumbling. And uh, we won't be led. Well his truth and in Some of us stumble when we walk, I'm sure, but for most of us it's pretty second nature, right? We go wherever we go. We just walk there and we get there, however we get there. We walk to our car, we walk here, we walk there. Is it like is it like I mean, everywhere you need to go other than where you're sitting is a place that you're going to walk. Well, and it's really not about the walking or the feet. Taking it with you, right? It's always being ready because it goes with you, whether you know it or not. It goes with you and it has to be second nature, like it says in Isaiah 52, that we're, that how beautiful on the mountains are those whose feet bring good news who bring the glad tidings. It's the same when you see the glad tidings or the good news in the Old Testament, that's referring to the gospel. That's referring to that gospel way, that gospel path. Now the breastplate of righteousness, why do, why do we need a breastplate of righteousness? We kind of skipped over that one because it goes with the truth belt. Why do we need a breastplate of righteousness? To know that we have the protection well, do, do you remember what I said on Shabbat? What is righteousness? Anybody remember? Because it's really important. People sometimes don't know even what righteousness is. It's right acts. Yes. What else? It's it's doing right acts. It has to do with justice, being a fair person. And this is something our life has to look like to other people that are outside. Other people that are outside want to look at us and say, why is that person fair? Why is that person acting right? Because righteousness is a two-fold coin. 
we can do righteousness. We can do righteousness. But we also can mess righteousness up for other people if we don't do it the right way. If we act like our righteousness makes us better than everyone else. But our righteousness is something we can do. We can choose to do good things. David says, my right, by my righteousness, I am, I am recompensed. The Lord repays me according to the what I do that's right. I know this is why I'm, I'm, I have integrity before the Lord. It's an important aspect of righteousness. And righteousness is also something God can give us. It has to do with the heart also, right? It has to do a lot with the heart and how we live because that's who people see. People remember what people do more than what people say. You know, the other thing is, too, I mean, this is maybe more, I think, how you know God is with you. It just, sometimes it's just, I just get amazed with, with the Lord because you'll pray for something and there it is. And you just, you say you know, geez, Lord, thank you. I mean, it's not so much for what you did for me, but it's the fact that you heard me, and it means a lot to me. You know, and here you brought this to come, you brought it to pass, and I thank you for that. And Mary, you're right, you're right, you're right that it protects our heart, and you're right that it's something you can ask for. Like we talked about with Abraham, he just asked, that he just believed the Lord, what the Lord was saying. And it said the Lord gave it to his account mm-hmm. as righteousness. Right. That means the Lord saw where Abraham was going to be. He was on the right track. And the reason that should guard our life and protect our heart in a sense is because we want to be people of integrity. People know people of integrity. They listen to people of integrity. They go to people of integrity. They go to people of integrity. And that's what righteousness is all about. And that's why we want that to be our our one thing that protects us. And the other thing that protects us is what? In the armor. What protects us? Well, we're going to the shield of faith. The shield of faith would be the next piece that's the part of the armor that we would need. And the shield of faith is a one verse in and of itself. And it tells us a lot about the shield of faith. Right? Because it's got to be something that it says above all. It says right off the top, above all, taking the shield of faith. It's putting a priority on it. It's one thing you really got to know about. The knowledge of who God is. The knowledge of who God is? Well, the not, and and also just I think the just knowing having faith that God has maybe brought you to this place, and having faith that He is going to see it through. Well, because He tells us that He's going to see it through. It may not be, it may may not, yeah, we it may not be in the way we think it should be, but He is there with you, and He's going. To see it through. He is going to see it through. He definitely is. And part of the shield of faith is it has a lot of points around it because it has both who God is, it has to do with believing God, it has to do with acting when you can't do when you can't see or understand 
anything else. It has to do with our being able to trust God. What does it say gets shot at the shield of faith? Or that the shield of faith is able to take up? The fiery darts. And fiery darts were small. They were effective because they could go into different places that other places couldn't go. But the shield could protect you from those fiery darts. The shield could protect you. Your true faith in God. There's another aspect too of the way the shield of faith worked. And one of the things that we can look at is this idea of a phalanx. Shields were sometimes clipped together in the phalanx so that you weren't just holding your shield up, but someone else was holding their shield up next to yours. And it became a great way to get through a certain passage. And you might have a phalanx that was coming up behind you all, up a little bit back behind you, another group of, of shields stuck together. And they were, notice that there's no piece of the armor that really kind of protects your back. And part of the reason why was this extra phalanx was supposed to be raised up by God to come after you. This other group and another group after them. That's why our membership is important. That's why we want people behind us that share this vision that God's given us. So that when David's having a rough day, Haim can pitch in for him. Or when Haim's having a rough day, I can pitch in for him. Or when someone else is having a rough day, someone else is lifted up to, to, to back them up over and over. And it was way that you were protecting the back end, but it also protected your flank. When you turned, someone had to protect your side as well. And that was part of the, the point of the phalanx. And, and, and that goes back to the idea of learning to have faith in other people as well. And that expression, I've got your back, the military or the cops will say. Yes, it's that same idea that you got our back, that you're able to protect us, and that you've got you have people behind you that you can move forward and be in an offensive position instead of always in the defense position, having to cower back here like this. You want to be in the offensive position. That's why we need people to be side by side each other and the first group can move forward and the second group follows them into action. Michael, can I also bring out something when we went back to John as I did the other day when I yesterday when I was had that confrontation. That and Jesus said in the seventeenth how he was continually bolstering up the disciples, you know, the followers to say, you know, you know, it, going to come at you, but remember where your strength is coming from. He kept rebuilding their, their trust uh, of what he's taught them. You know what I mean? And you know, that's a big point. That's a big point of building up their trust, testing out their faith. What did he tell the disciples? We see it over and over again. He would ask them, where's your faith? Right. He, would challenge he had them. faith like a mustard seed. Right. So we have two other pieces of the thing. We have the helmet of salvation, a covering to protect our mind and our thoughts. We know sometimes, like I was saying before, it's a spiritual battle of hearing things and and fearing things. 
A lot of it can just be in the mind games or the psychological side. And we need to know who we are in the Lord. Our identity has to be protected. And that's something that comes through knowing your salvation. Knowing who you are in the Lord. And just knowing, too, what He says. Like, what does He say? All things work to the good for those who trust. I mean, so He's... And He doesn't say... He doesn't ask us to work it out for the good. He says... I mean, He basically is saying that faith faith piece, I think, is kind of like you do what you can do and I'm going to take care of the rest because there's so many things that need to come into play sometimes that we can't orchestrate it all we can't barely orchestrate ourselves sometimes sometimes and the Lord wants us to have confidence and to expect him to do good things and I think that's part of a lot of the war is in our head how we need to learn to move forward and believe the Lord in what he's already doing Part of that confident expectation is is knowing who we are. We're holy to the Lord. He set us apart for what we are. And lastly, the sword. And a lot of times the sword is is it's clearly defined what the sword is. What is the sword? The word of God. Why is the word of God important? Because it can slay the enemy. Because it is God. It in is the beginning, there, the truth. In the beginning, the word there was the what? The word was the word. The word, was the word God. and the word was God. And I don't remember how that whole thing goes, but I mean, the word is God. That's how we know God. That's how He speaks to us. And it, the word is also a very good defensive weapon. Did you ever think of the word as being a defensive weapon? In the sense, swords were defensive because they were extensions of your arms and you were able to to use that ability to block a spear or to block another sword coming at you. That If you understood how to use something as that extension, the same thing is true about the Lord. It's the extension of who He is. The Word is an extension of our God, of who He wants us to be. And part of a, a, part of a good... Defense is learning how to be on a good offense. Meaning how we learn to stay in the Word, how we learn to know the Word, and how we get into the Word more and more. And I'm glad everyone's here at Bible study tonight. But there's some kind of outrageous number, like 70% of believers don't even read their Bible. 70%. And if we want to see change take place, or if it's important to us that we know God's Word, then we've got to know how to get it. How do we get the Word of God? By reading it. By reading it. By hearing it. By hearing it. And it's important that it becomes a part of us. Let's look at Joshua 1.8. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. I'll leave and you should have used it when he was under um, attack too. He did. Yeshua quoted the word against the enemy specifically. Yes, in in his trials and temptations. Joshua what? Joshua chapter one verse eight. Yes, keep this book of the Torah on your lips and meditate on it day and night, so that you will take care to act according 
to everything written in it. Then your understanding will prosper and you will succeed. Do you see the connection of us being able to succeed? That's having an offensive stance of being able to say, I know what the Word says. I know what I believe. I know who I am in the Lord. That's a big part of how the battles are won, how we're able to resist. The other side of the coin is we come up against spiritual circumstances and we don't know exactly what we're facing, exactly what the answer is. And so we have to be able to hear from the Lord. We have to do that through prayer. That's a big point of being able to know is being able to stop and pray and say, Lord, what is going on in this situation? Show me what to do. Show me what is going on. And I know for a fact, and this is just me personally, I hear passages of Scripture that come to mind. It's passages of Scripture. It's not an audible yes or no, or move to the left, move (laughs) forward. Don't go down that way. It's usually exactly words that come out of Scripture. <clears throat> and Paim wanted us to read 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, that kind of illustrates this point of how we go to God in prayer. Because prayer is a huge piece of the puzzle. We've been talking about it over and over again, the idea of the reconciliation piece. Part of the reason we're in spiritual warfare is because of relationships. Part of those relationships aspects need some form of reconciliation. Whether it's a breakdown between someone and God or a breakdown in relationships between two people. And so it's important that we understand that God wants us to persevere in our prayers. And that we grab for that prayer and seek Him and ask Him, what do we need to do in this particular situation? It's a true promise of reward of time in prayer. So let's read 1 John 5.14, and that will close us out tonight. And we have this confidence in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What does that mean, Mary? That he's he's totally in tune with us. He's totally ready when we surrender to him and we go to him. He's he's not going to turn his back on us. He hears us, and he will. We can depend on his promises. If there's if there's one thing that we need to understand more than anything else, it's that God has a more vested interest in hearing from us then we are willing to take time and hear from Him. And it's something we need to persevere in, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty, is learning to persevere and to seek God for what the situation demands. If we wanted to paraphrase that, is it kind of like saying if it's within God's plan for us, He will, you know, he, will he will, answer it. If it's not in His plan for us, then... Well, and and part of the answer that we have to be willing to hear is no. I mean, that's that's one thing I don't like saying as someone 
in charge of prayer, you know. I'm supposed to be the shamash or the elder, in a sense, in charge of prayer. And, and that's something that when you pray enough times, you'll learn that the answer is no. Or maybe it's even not now. Not now, but maybe later. In terms of paraphrasing, the, uh, the word will there, it's the same word like you know, the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. And it really is the word desire. If you want to paraphrase, adds any roundness to the idea substitute that word desire. And you think about that compared to what our desires are. You know, do we desire things really other than according to our flesh, quite frankly? And so if you can think about what the full opposite of that would be, it's God's desire. So it's, it's quite outside of us, you know, in a sense. But if there was a paraphrase, that might be... And your desire not, according to your desire not mine. And yeah. submission to his will. And and back to back to what we started at the beginning. John four thirty four. What is the will of the Father? Amen. It's to be our very food. It's to do the work that He's given us to do and to complete it. That's what Yeshua's heart was. That was Yeshua's main vision was to do the will of the Father. And that was the very food that God had given him to eat and to complete it. So I think we're about at time. Yeah. I'm not over. Yeah, like a minute and a half for the question. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, so, so what's the challenge for Well, my question for you is, are you to answer them? Are you to are you to answer them? Is that the bigger is is the bigger question, are you to answer them? And you know, like sometimes God shuts my mouth, I don't know. Because it's the them to say. I mean to go back to try to reach them in another way, you know? To, to answer your question, some people aren't ready for knowledge when they haven't experienced God's love. And we can throw all the knowledge at them we want, but how effective do you think that knowledge is going to be? Or until they encounter God's love. And that might be an answer you give them. Well, I love reading the Word because it tells me how wonderful my compassionate God is and how much He loves me and everyone that's on His earth. So that that might be a better approach of coming at that answer instead of saying, this is why the Word is prevalent for you today. Build my Bible is my armor because it strengthens me, but it also I know that the Lord protects me because I know that I can go and it will lift me. I also think another example is, you know, um, Israel, just little old Israel. You know, everybody's been trying to do away with them for five thousand years, and it hasn't worked yet. And, you know, I'm laying my bets in, in Las Vegas that it probably won't work in the future either. 
Unfortunately, I don't know that we'd be around to collect on it. <laughs> Can I get one of the ladies on this back table? Either Karen, I think the twins are here. I'm not sure if they're... Yeah, they are. Maybe one of you ladies to pray to close us tonight? I vote for Karen. Okay. <laughs> Ouch! I think the twins wanted to share some things and they were kind of quiet, but they were t- tired. They were tired tonight. Well, maybe we need to come over and pray on them. No, they want to sleep. Father God, we just come before you and we thank you for your strength. We thank you that you're with us in the hard times as well as the good times, Lord. That you give us wisdom and understanding and discernment and knowledge, Lord. We just thank you in all these things, Lord. We ask that you would be with each one of us as we go forward this the rest of this week. And we want you to know that we love you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen.